So we're on uh, verse 16 of 2 Corinthians 5. Since our time is short, I'm going to go ahead and read these verses. I'm sorry. At the end of the chapter. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Uh, Literally Greek, according to the flesh. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, or according to the flesh. We We know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us a ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Thoughts? Um, one thing, I was just, back in verse 16 and 17, when he starts off he says that we regard no one uh, from a human uh, point of view. But then in 17 it says, because if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. But that would seem to be a subset of no one. And so... It's a little confusing, isn't it? And, and I, so I noticed is that he, too. Is, is he then referring... When he's saying no one, is he talking about, well, within the church family? Or is he saying no, even the guy down the street who doesn't know anything about Christ or anything else, that we still view them through this lens even though they may not... There might be a piece of his reasoning missing here. Uh-huh. I think... Paul is an extrovert, and extroverts have a hard time with details, mm-hmm. and so they often miss or overlook a piece uh-huh. of information that was, is critical to understanding the point. Mm-hmm. The pissing piece might be that because in Christ they are a new creation, and everybody has that opportunity to be in Christ, right. therefore we should not regard anyone from a human point of view. But he doesn't say that missing piece. Right. And so, I mean, I, I would agree with that in that, you know, even... And what what seems to substantiate that is if you go down to um, verse 19, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting there the world's trespasses against them. So that seems to reinforce, reinforce right. the first part. Right. So it, with that... On both sides of this problem verse, right. I think that's the way we have to read it. Yeah, I mean that that would be my the way I would lean on it at any rate. Yeah, I I think leaning you know, or or moving in that direction is is the best way to do it. I mean, we can't be sure, right? But but that of, would seem just, to be of you know perhaps of just even even for those who have. Um, neither no knowledge of Christ, or even those who are actively anti-Christianity uh, and, and, and God and Christ and whatever, that are still having finding a way to, to look through the lens of seeing them the way that God sees them, uh, which 
uh, and, and remembering that that Jesus came and died even for that person just as much as he did for me or anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, but sometimes that's not not real easy. Um, right. I remember having a we had a um, uh, it was years ago. I was, had a patient uh, came into the operating room who was. Um, I don't remember exactly what it was, but they were there to had, and they were there as a direct result of the fact that they'd gotten high on drugs and it, it hurt themselves and now needed to be fixed up. And I remember the, the the surgeon making some kind of disparaging remarks about the this individual or the worth of this individual or why we even bother, you know, kind of thing. And I had uh, made a comment about, well, you know, that um, I, I that. It, sometimes it's hard, but it, you know, just try to, but something to the effect of you know, trying to you know, see them the way and then remembering that this is someone that that God loves and and died for. Um, and uh, anyway, his response was, "Well, I think God's got better standards than that, or something like that." And um, anyway, which we didn't really have time to. But as I thought more and more about it, it's you know. But the th- the thing is we see this big gulf between us and them, but we don't really recognize this humongous gulf that's between us and God. And And that the difference between here and there is, um, is minuscule. It's kind of like, um, and I was, what I was thinking about, we lived in Long Beach at the time and there's, there's a pier, um, that goes out, you know, a few hundred feet off the, off the thing there, and then way off in the distance, 26 miles away, is the island of Catalina. Um, and so if we had had everybody lined up at the beginning, you say, okay, we're going to run down to the end of the pier and then jump off, and, and we're going to jump to Catalina. Um, well, we're, we'll all run down and we'll jump, and some, you know, there'll be somebody who trips and then just kind of ends up rolling off the end of the, the pier and doesn't doesn't even you know, get off the pier or some of the, maybe get six inches out. And you know, if you're a really good long jumper, you might even get 20 feet uh, out off the pier. But whether you were six inches off or 20 feet off, when you compare that to the 26 miles to the, to the island, it's irrelevant. Um, you know, we, none of us came even close. And so I kind of see that, you know, okay, so I feel like I'm better than him, but that's because my frame of reference is so far off. Um, you remind me of a dream I had when I was in fourth grade. There was a classmate that I had really bad thoughts about. He was I, I saw him as difficult and wanting to heckle me and, and things like that. And, and I, I thought really ill of him. And, you know, even when you're a child, you haven't learned that. You should not judge. <laughs> um, and there was a girl that I really admired in the class that I had no idea what kind of lifestyle she had at home. It was, it was her mom. Her, her dad had died when she was very young, and um, her mother had men visiting her constantly. Um, so I remember I had this dream. And it dreamed, I dreamed we were in the judgment with all my classmates. Fourth grade class was all there. And everybody was saved except this girl that I'd met. And for a long time, I thought that was the primary reason for the dream that I wouldn't follow in her footsteps because she followed her mother's footsteps. 
um, as from what I heard later. But actually, there was more to the dream than that. At the head of the class, we were gradated, it seemed like, and mm-hmm. at the head of the class was this student that I despised. Mm-hmm. And it seemed that he had been a missionary, had gone and gone a great sacrifice to work with people uh, for the sake of the gospel. And I was next to the last in the line. And was that ever an ego puncher? Because I considered myself a very good little girl. But I was next to the last of the line. So so much for my self-righteousness. It was nothing. And And I think, you know, we're all lost if we reject God's mercy. But I think that's what it comes down to. Is, is, it, isn't, it isn't just what we've done that we're judged by. It's what we've done with God's mercy. It's what we've done with His grace. And, and Paul actually seems to infer that in chapter 6, verse 1. As we work together with Him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. Because that's the deciding point. The other thing I'd like to point out in this this passage is that the reconciliation is one way. God reconciles us to himself, himself, not the other way around. And that tells me that Paul reads the verb kipper differently than a lot of scholars read it. In In Leviticus... In Leviticus, uh, it talks about offering these different offerings, Leviticus 1, and this is it's the burnt offering. And there's also the sin offering. And these offerings will make atonement for you, kipper. Mm-hmm. And so they read it as because kipper, and especially the verb kafar, can mean to appease, they read it as a pe- kind of right, re- reconciliation. Exactly. Down so he won't kill Right. Him. Right. And I don't see Paul reading it that way. And of course, he uses a different word. He uses the word uh, reconciliation. Instead of hilasterion or, or hilasomai, uh, which is the word for uh, atonement or propitiation, he reads, he uses most frequently the word katalage which is reconciliation. I happen to have done my master's thesis on the righteousness of God in Paul, and particularly in Romans uh, 1, and two, 1, let's see, wait, 1 and 3. And so I had to study these terms and, and try to understand what Paul was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a uh, few years back that, I mean, I don't understand the Greek behind it but just from reading the English that it really kind of hit me right between the eyes of realizing that what Paul's describing is that what makes God righteous was the fact of his willingness that you know he he created this perfect world we messed it up Um, he was under no obligation to do anything he could have just walked away left us to our resources and we would have perished yeah. Um, and uh, you know, and if he, if he truly completely walked away, we would have just ceased to exist in a moment. Um, but uh, it, but rather than doing that, he chose to turn around 
and do what was necessary to be able to provide an opportunity to fix it, uh, even though it wasn't his fault. Mm-mm. Um, Mm-mm. And and the price at which he did it is is beyond what we really understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and that 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 was what makes God righteous. Um, and so that then when it when I'm called to be righteous as God is righteous, then that doesn't mean just that, okay, I've got this rule of, stick a, you know, list of rules that I stick by, and then if as long as I don't do this or do that, then I'm righteous. It's like, well, no, I mean, what are you willing to, what, what's the price you're willing to pay to be able to bring reconciliation amongst people Something either, that you have nothing to do with, uh, it, and, <laughs> or, or that are hostile be, to you, or that are yeah, <laughs> and maybe maybe they um, did something against me, and I'm feeling righteously indignant, and, and uh, well, I'll sit here and I'll wait until they come to me to on, uh, on bended uh, knee. knee, and then <laughs> I will be magnanimous and forgive them at that point. Is it? Well, no, actually, the righteous thing to do is to go after them. And go ahead and do what's necessary. Now, that doesn't mean you know, that to have a relationship again requires both people uh, right. to be involved. And so you may not be able to recover the relationship. Right. But nonetheless, um, to do what is necessary to make it possible for there to be a relationship again should they choose to to want to enter into it. or And, and that can be on any level as far as you know, my level uh, my relationship with other people or with other people and their relationship with God, you know, or relationship, you know, with themselves or this can happen on any number of different levels. Um, and that all of a sudden that this whole self-righteous thing kind of goes out the window, um, that I, I'm, I'm nowhere near yeah. we, anything we, like we that. We really do tend to see God through our eyes, don't we? Well, we have no other option, technically. <laughs> I can't see through anybody else's eyes, but it's true. But yeah, we do tend to we tend to view him as like one, like ourselves, and it's it's very hard. I think I think the growth pattern of the Christian is forever to see him increasingly different as different than us. In, in all those ways that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Because I think I, while you were talking, I was thinking of Matthew 5 and how Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount after after saying, you've heard this, but this is the way it is. And I say to you this comes down to love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. That you may be sons of daughters of your Father in heaven who sends rain and sunshine on the just and the unjust. I'm truncating it. You, therefore, are to be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's a standard we have a hard time with. But but to Jesus, that's the summation point. It's like that's the top of the, the top of the ladder is loving our enemies. If we can come to the place where we love our enemies, uh, we are the most like God. Because it's, it's not being us. No, it's, it's not being it's us being because outside of who we are. It's us, it's not even just outside of who we are, but it's outside of our capacity to even imagine. <laughs> you know, um, which can, is why I actually believe 
when I read the Bible, that this is a description of a divine being. It's not something we came up with because we never in our in a million years would have ever come up with this on our own. That's a good point. Yeah, it's so counter to human nature that it's not human nature. Exactly, and so that's why I believe that, the, yeah. that he really was God right. and is God. And that yeah. uh, because no one ever would have made this up, so it had to have been. That's that's, that's why that's why the what is called the pericope adultery, the woman story of the woman caught in adultery is actually in the Bible, is because scholars recognized and and probably anciently they recognized that even though they didn't know who wrote the story and it seemed to have floated around somewhere, that. Um, that story could not have been made up by some monk in a cell. Uh, they just wouldn't make that kind of story up. And so it's been kept in the Bible, and even though in the ancient manuscripts it's found in different places. And, and nobody's sure who wrote it. it. It definitely is not Johannine, even though it's in the Gospel of John. All you have to do is translate the first few chapters. I remember doing this in Greek 1. <clears throat> Translating... The first part of the Gospel of John, all the way to chapter 11. And then beginning to translate that, it was like I was a wholly new part of the universe. The vocabulary was extremely difficult. I was just floored. How do I translate this? It was nothing more convincing than to do that. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm wondering if it was Luke that wrote it. Because his his Greek is supposed to be the, it's more closer to Attic Greek and it's supposed to be most the most difficult. But anyway, in any case, where what we don't think of, what we would not conceive of, we would write the gospel more through the eyes of the Pharisees and the and the Sadducees. Mm-hmm. Whatever <laughs> makes us look good. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Short and sweet today. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that you are awesomely beyond us, so different from us, that we only dimly grasp who you really are. We pray that you will draw us in, that you will reconcile us to you every day, that we might fully appreciate and understand the principles of your character. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.